Broadcasting live from the Campbell Student Union Center at Buffalo State, this is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Here's your host, Evan DePasquale. Welcome to The Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. 91.3 FM WBNY is Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. I am your host, Evan DePasquale, and uh, again, we are here on a Monday, a busy Monday, uh, talking some, we've got a lot of football going on. Um, you Can you not hear me again? I can't hear you. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I'll... Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I can't, because I can't, I don't know if you're joking with, can you hear me, Tanner? Yes, sir. Okay, I, then. I actually can't hear you. I hate you. I just, I, I can't stand you sometimes, because, like, you're giving me those vibes, and I'm, like, I'm, like, super anxious right now, and I just don't need that right now. No, Tanner can vibe for me. I can't hear anything. All right, uh, all right we'll see. We'll put this theory to the test. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe that he's doing this. Is this actually real? Testing, testing, one, two. Holy smokes, he's actually not kidding. The, oh, these headsets I'll, don't. I don't know if it's the headset or what, but it, I know what it is. I can, glass, but I can, not the, uh, I can, not the headset. We can. I'll make this work. Um, but um, maybe if you, if I should like speak up or something like that. I, I, I got an idea. I'll come out after the break. Um, we have some exciting. News that Katie Villarini, Buffalo State athlete with Buffalo State Athletics, will be coming on the show later today, and we're super excited about that. Um, you, you know, we were supposed to have her on last week. Unfortunately, we couldn't. We had um, we had a lot of we had a lot of fun last week uh, talking with uh, Nate Smith. Um, but I want to get into. There's been a lot of stuff that's been going on with. Um, the NFL and free agency. First off, we got the Tom Brady coming back in the NFL, um, and we'll we'll get into that. But I also wanted to get because that this is like this is going to be a quick segment, and Evan and I we're going to talk about the Sabers over the past um, week, which arguably was probably the best week in Buffalo sports in how long. Not only did you beat the you beat your your former captain in Jack Eichel and he looked terrible, had a minus one. I remember we were actually saying on the Blitz right before the show and we had a little Wednesday special um because of what's been going on with free agency. We said that he was gonna like score a goal and I said I was he was gonna score a goal and assist and an assist. And um and he actually finished off the scorer's sheet and had a minus one of his uh, for his rating. So it was definitely uh, something that I was honestly shocked about. And also the fact that both Alex Tuck, not only when he scored the empty netter to basically clinch it, but also he took the he stole the puck away from Eichel and also Peyton Krebs scored. Won the trade. Yeah, I mean, for right now, you guys can hear me, right? Yes. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, as of right now, it does fine. look like it's favoring the Sabres side uh, for the trade right now, but this trade is far from over uh, progression-wise. Uh, Jack Eichel still has a far way to go before he really progresses into the player he wants to become after his surgery. Uh, plus, we don't know how Vegas' success is going to be once they get Mark Stone and Robin Leonard back. But then you got to look forward for the Sabres, man. Getting a guy like Tuck, getting a guy like Peyton Krebs is probably the best thing that could have happened for this organization with everything speculating going on with Jack Eichel over the last two years. Those two players were two of the best players that you could have got when you were looking to acquire something for Jack Eichel. And again, getting a guy like Alex Tuck, right? He's 25 years of age, same age as Jack Eichel, essentially. That guy potentially can be your new captain. And it's not like he's just one of those guys where you're putting him in the lineup on your third or fourth line. He's a great leader, good, you know, good hustler. And he, he's just right below a point per game. I mean, again, now once you get better players, he, you know, he'll probably put up 60-point seasons for the Sabres. But just to have that guy and Alex Tuck at 25 years of age to be on this roster and care this much about the city of Buffalo and talk about Buffalo, you know, in the presence of the media the way he does is just huge. 
Um, and obviously scoring at the pace he has been for the Sabres thus far, just under 30 games into his Sabres career, has been outstanding. And Peyton Krebs, let's give Peyton Krebs a round of applause. Like, what a player. 21 years of age, just turned 21, matter of fact. Uh, the last few games for him has been outstanding. Uh, scoring against Vegas and scoring twice against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Heritage Classic. Again, guy's been a stud. I don't think he'll be a first-line center in this league, but he can easily be a second-line center in this league, I believe. And he's a guy who, if you put on your top line, if your top center is injured, you are fine with that. Like, Peyton Krebs is a very dynamic player, can play the wing as well, but he's really elevated, or, you know, elevated the games of Dylan Cousins, uh, Kyle Poso, uh, you know, Casey Middlestat, Rasmus Asplund, Victor Olofsson, whoever has been on his line. You've seen a different style to their game, and, you know, that's very telling. Um, and, you know, another player, uh, since we're just kind of going down the line of young players, let's talk about Dylan Cousins, man. That guy is a warrior. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you remember last year, Evan, when, you know, it was the COVID season. There wasn't much going on. But Dylan Cousins probably got into, like, four fights within a month. Like, and- like four passionate fights. Not four, hey, I'm going to go out there just to fight type of fight, but I'm going to go out there and passionately fight for my organization type of fight. And, you know, that was really telling to see in his rookie season. And Dylan Cousins, again, just, like, I don't, I don't know what to call it, but there's a sort of aggression from Dylan Cousins that I really love, and he plays with it, and it makes him a better player, it almost seems like, and I, and I love it. Like I, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how you get him ticked off like that, but whatever, whatever, whoever gets Dylan Cousins ticked off like that, please do it more. Like, <laughs> like, and it's good. It's not like he's going out there playing dirty with it. He's playing with an energy that, you know, most guys in the league just aren't playing with in today's NHL. And, you know, going out there, Hitting hitting Austin Matthews at center ice. Clean hit. One of the cleanest center ice, hit, center ice hits you'll ever see in today's game. Great hit by Dylan Cousins. And then you had Bunting, the uh, Leafs rookie, go after Dylan Cousins. Which didn't make Dylan any sense face. whatsoever. Shug, like, just shrugged him off and just went after him. You know, threw him on the ground too. It's like, like, I just love that aggression from Dylan Cousins, and he just wants to play here. He wants to be part of this organization. He really just wants to go at bat for everyone on this team. And Rasmus Dahlin talked about it in his post-game press conference saying, like, you see Cuzzy out there? Like, he's a brother. Like, like he is my brother. Like, no, I, I love Dylan Cousins. And you know, that's really telling as well. Like, Dahlin, and again, going going down the line of young players, like Dahlin, phenomenal young player. He's about to be 22 soon. Again, Rasmus Dahlin is... He doesn't feel like he's about to be 22. He feels like, you know, he, he came in the league probably at 18, and I think that Dahlin has really shown, and especially, you know, I, I feel like the last few years he has... I don't know if he's going to become... I think he's... There's a lot uh, to say about him. I'm trying... Let me, let me say it one at a time. I think that he can be said to be the next... I I think he can be the next maybe Brian Campbell. I think that that could be, and that's not like, I I hope that's not coming off as like something where like you can't really. I'm trying to put this all into words, but Rasmus Dahlin is looked at as a very underrated defenseman. I feel like that you know he made his first All Star game this past season, and he. Looked really good. He stood up to Austin Matthews. He's stu- he's not afraid to get in the in in dirty with a bunch of other players, and we saw that. And even it cost Austin Matthews a two game suspension. Not now. Not gonna lie. I was honestly thinking that this was going to be typical NHL, and they were just gonna throw a slap on the wrist and give him like a $5,000 or $10,000 fine because that's what they did with Tom Wilson when he literally was probably did something that should have gotten him arrested last year. And he spent, he made more money while he was in the penalty box than the fine that was given to him. Yeah, going on with the Austin Matthews suspension really quick. A main reason why the NHL did suspend Austin Matthews was due to the fact that Wayne Gretzky was even commenting on the fact that 
that he should be suspended. And when you got a guy like Wayne Gretzky on national television talking about that, you have to suspend him. Like, you, you can't take those words lightly for sure. And, you know, again, going back to Rasmus Dahlin, you know, first overall pick in 2018 uh, out of Sweden was compared to Nick Lindstrom, a generational defenseman. Um, and Dahlin just wasn't Nick Lindstrom uh, his first three years in the league. And rightfully so. That's, you know, that's big company to live up to. And, you know, this year alone, uh, you know, playing about a full year under Don Granado now, Rasmus Dahlin just looks more confident and more compelling. And just his overall game as a defenseman just looks much more telling. Like, obviously, his uh, his goals are up, too. Um, his shot looks better. His skating at the blue line looks better, um, you know, in the offensive zone. His puck control looks substantially better. His passing um, up ice through the neutral zone. From the D zone to his D partner, just any aspect of being an NHL defenseman looks a lot better when you're evaluating Do- Rasmus Dahlin, not just as a prospect, but as a future all-star, like perennial all-star in this league, not a guy who gets squeaked in once in a while. And going forward with Rasmus Dahlin, people are like, okay, this is going to be Rasmus Dahlin. No, like Rasmus Dahlin's going to get better, like points-wise. Like, again, you only might progress so much more as a player. Like, there's only so much you're going to do to progress as a player. But his points will get up there soon because you got to think, Rasmus Dahlin's doing all of these fantastic things right now. And he's really not playing with, on the power play at least, a perennial first-line player, right? Like, I think it's all safe to say that Skinner, Tuck, and Thompson aren't perennial first-line players. No. They're really good players, but they're not perennial first-line players. I think they but can that's be, my thing. I think they can be an elite to second line. No, it'd be a re- I wouldn't say an elite second, but it would be a good second line. Just really good second line. Um but going forward like you know, when we have guys like Quinn and Paterka, etc., um when Cousins becomes better and even Thompson still has room to grow. And I think I think Tuck can take his game to another level, progressing as more of being a Sabres, Peyton Krebs as well. Like when those and even if we might draft someone soon or if we get someone in free agency or through a trade in a couple of years if we just add more players to this power play and it becomes more dynamic and more successful and more sustainable like Darlene's numbers are just going to go up like Darlene's always going to be a number one fit on this power play no matter what can I uh, ask you guys a question this is going to be my one chance to sound like I know what I'm talking about with hockey so I got to take it with the uh... After the, the Golden Knights game, it seemed like Jack Eichel was a little salty during his post-game interview. He said that that was the loudest he had ever heard the place, and after it only took seven years and him leaving, well, I mean, part of that might be because, you know, you didn't win anything in the last seven years, so they didn't really have much of a reason to be loud. But what did you guys make of Eichel's post-game comments? Do you want me to go first? Uh, um, you, can, you can go really quick. Um, I, thought, I, I thought that was really childish of him. I thought that... If you know you were a former captain of the Buffalo Sabers and you were a you know people you know sort of praised you, they were never mad at you, and he took his frustration out on the fans. That's what bothered me the most is that he took his frustration out on the fans who had paid a lot of money to see him play. People have made signs that say, "I'm just here to see Jack." It's not Jack Eichel's fault that the Sabres were terrible. It is bad management from Tim Murray, Jason Botterill, and, you know, they they gave away, they traded players that they probably shouldn't have. I mean, even talk about with Ryan O'Reilly saying, I lost my love of the game of hockey. That was, like, you know, disappointing when you hear that when someone says, you've lost the love of the game and then you get traded and then you go on to win the Stanley Cup. That's, I don't think that he's, I don't think the Knights are going to win the Cup this year, but they're going to make the playoffs this year. And I think that what happened, I think that he took his frustration out on the wrong people and he should not have taken his frustration frustrations out on the fans because the fans love loved him and when he left I felt like that it was kind of a rude slap to the face when um he said it only took they're probably booing me because they wish I was still there or when he said like like you mentioned Tanner when he said that it only took them seven years and me leaving for them to get in the game there have been times where they have been in the game the fans at least and 
when you're winning, like, like that's the thing. You, I mean, obviously, I know Tanner. You don't watch hockey, which is okay. Um, but th- when they were the best team in the NHL in that little that two year span of when they went to back to back conference finals, they like the next year after that o five o six season where they lost in Carolina, it was literally impossible to get tickets, even individual tickets. It was like impossible. I mean, maybe now because people are reselling them on other websites, but this is 2007 we're talking about. Um, but still, I think that I think he took it out his frustrations out on the wrong person, the wrong people, and I think that he should have just went about it. And, you know, I think he should have been like, you know, just like stayed, said nothing to the point where it would have gotten him in trouble. Be like, yeah, it was good, blah blah blah. You know. Um, the fans were out there. That was nice, you know, but he, he took a, he took a different route and I just didn't appreciate it. Yeah. When we're talking about the Jack Eichel post game comments, uh, against the Sabres the other night on Thursday, you know, they definitely come across as I like the, the, okay. His comments alone, I don't necessarily like disagree with, but it's just the way he carried himself, I guess you can say in the way he just went about things. Um, that, you know, kind of steered even myself to a point and, you know, other Sabres fans and media markets around the NHL. Um, the one thing that I won't disagree with him though, is that Sabres fans have like, that was, that was the most I have ever seen Sabres fans in a game with Jack Eichel being a Buffalo Sabre in the last seven years in my, in my life. Uh, now when you go back to the 06, 07, 05, 06 run, now that's a totally different thing because I remember we were listening to, um, to Craig Reve earlier Andrew on his Peters. show after the whistle, oh. he basically said that when players don't play in the Buffalo market when they're successful, they don't know what it's like to play in the Buffalo market, right? And now that that's a different topic and a different discussion to bring up because, you know, when, when the Buffalo Sabres are rolling, right, you know, the fans are going to be into it for sure, definitely. There's no, there's no debate about it. Like most sports cities and, you know, especially with how passionate Sabres fans are, I think the thing with Eichel that he was so disrupt about was that there's no there's no disagreeing that Eichel didn't play his tail off for at least five to six really good years here. He he tried, especially in that 2019-2020-50th season. He really carried the Buffalo Sabres and tried to put as much on his back as he could, right? And the fans were behind him to an extent, but they were never into it as much as they were the other night on Thursday where they were just booing Eichel. And now, do I, do, did I, does Eichel think he was, that he should have been booed or not? I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking coming into this game. Was he rattled, rattled by it? Heck yeah. And obviously, you know, Eichel's an emotional guy. I don't think there's anything disagreeing with that. Eichel's an emotional player. And that, you know, there's emotional players throughout every sport. You know, Le- LeBron James is a very emotional, um, to, like, to, like, even like Patrick Mahomes, to, like Tom Brady, Josh Allen's an emotional player. Like, these guys are an emotional players. Like, you know, you know, sometimes some things get to their heads. You don't know. They're athletes, man. Uh, they're human beings at the end of the day. And, you know, Jack let it get to his head, not only on the ice, but off the ice. And again, the comments, like, I don't really like the one where he was like, well, you know, they w- I wish they still had me on the team. Like, that sort of thing. Like, we all wish we still had Jack Eichel. Like, you know, I mean, to a point. Like, I was kind of getting over the Jack Eichel thing. But... You know, like as a player, you always you'd always want a Jack Eichel on your team as a player, but just everything that went down, probably not. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, was he wrong about that? Was the loudest it's been in seven years since I've been here? Probably not. And what I mean by that, to have twelve thousand fans, and again, I was at almost every Sabres game since twenty fifteen since he got drafted here. To have all those fans consistently booing. Jack Eichel that long and that loud the entire game, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about the crowd reactions after a game-winning goal, the crowd reactions after a big save in like certain you know particular moments of the game. He's talking about the fans getting into the game the way they did for a consistently long period of time. You know, like I went to the Chiefs-Bills game, and again, you know, it's about 65,000 fans, outdoor arena. That was loud. There was only 12,000 fans, the Sabres... Uh, Vegas Knights game on Thursday. Like, that. that's what it felt like. Like, that is the atmosphere I was getting. I was getting a playoff atmosphere 
just Sabres fans going at it like for the first time in forever. And it was awesome to see, but you know, it's something we haven't seen in a long time. All right, we got to take a break. Um, on the other side, Katie Villarini will be on the show. Um, hopefully, she'll be she'll be in here, and we've been all excited about talking about it. So. Uh, 878-5104 is, your, is the number to give us a call if you want an opinion on uh, the Sabres, and we'll get into some NFL free agency stuff. So you're listening to The Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. Jumps in early. Pacioretty's out there. Eichel's out there. Dodonov's out there. Petrangelo's out there. Win for Eakin. Kept in by Eichel on the point, but taken by Tuck. Tuck to seal it. Bad angle. Goal! your spot hit your spot Krebs is scored Tuck is scored Sabres up three to one in the locker room can I just say John Butchagross has like I feel like the best commentary I, I want to get uh, and that was his and that was Alex Tuck's empty knuckle on the ESPN broadcast um Katie Villarini will she'll be here in like a few minutes uh she's running a little bit late is but as soon as we come as soon as she gets in We'll hop right into the interview. Um, but I I thought that, like, I think what I liked most about that, um, oh, I forgot to turn your mics up. Hi, guys. <laughs> oh, thanks, Seth. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just, like, trying to make sure I have everything all situated and stuff that I just, I, I it'll sometimes just, um, I, I'll forget about it. But, um, yeah, so I, I thought that that was, I think what I liked about it was um, the fact that it was not only he stole it from Eichel, but also that he just he had he it wanted like he, the clink off the pipe is probably anytime that a goal is scored where it goes off the pipe and it's loud is probably the most beautiful goal you'll ever hear. Yeah, for sure. Um, again, you got to give Alex Tuck credit on that because. He realized that when the puck was thrown around the boards coming up to the blue line, that Jack Eichel had to put himself in a spot where I'm going to try to put my back towards the defender, keep the puck on my backhand, and try to distribute it re-across the blue line or just backhand it back into the zone and you know, reestablish possession to tie this game up. But Alex Tuck realized the puck's on the back of Jack Eichel's backhand, at the blue line especially. And if I you know get on my high horse and towel towards the puck... Again, it's on his backhand. Obviously, a Jack Eichel is a righty, and your forehand's always your, your dominant, um, especially on the backhand. He realized, hey, this is a weak spot. I can get the puck. I can go down and potentially score, and he did score. Uh, you know, no pun intended, but he tucked it in the net there. <laughs> <laughs> and, again, you just got to give Alex Tuck credit. He's one of those players when he sees an opportunity, he's not afraid to jump on it. And, you know, just kind of re-illustrating re, um, things, like even just the little things. Like when you saw – him against Toronto in the Heritage Classic. There was a play. Tage Thompson created a turnover. Puck enters the Toronto offensive zone. Tuck does not waste time. He gets that puck, quick little move, backhand to the net. Just on it. He's always on it. And his um his side to side skating ability, his agility on his skates, his, his crossover steps is uh a really beautiful thing to watch. Because uh, when he when he's going down in transition with the puck on his stick, he's not going at you like a standstill statue, right? He's not going to, oh, I'm going to move like this, you know, stand still. I'm going to try to move by just, you know, being right in front of you and standing straight up. Straight up. He's going to move side to side. His skating ability will allow him to go side, you know, east coast instead of just north south, north, uh, north and south. So, you know, that's really telling. Like Alex Tuck is just a dynamic player, you know, one of the best in the game for sure. And, you know, got to give credit where credit's due. Alex Tuck, most likely the future captain of the Buffalo Sabres. And he's rightfully playing like it. And his off-the-ice and on-the-ice character is uh, showing as well. Oh, we're just waiting for Depot over here. Getting uh, situated for the, uh, the guest of the hour. There we go. There well, he is. Keep talking. <laughs> just because she came in, just, oh, I thought we were hopping right into this thing. I thought we well, were hopping right into this thing. I thought you were hopping right back on the mic. She doesn't have her microphone set up yet. Give me a sec. Just keep right, going. Yeah, no, talk, going back to the, you're talking about going back to the Sabers. Obviously, uh, sorry for the cutoff there. 
But again, just like Alex talked, like, I mean, Tanner, what are your been your observations? Just being an outside observer of the Sabers. Yeah, just being an outside observer. Um, I only watched uh, one game. I God, I can't remember what it was. I have to go look back. I'm behind on my highlights because I've been traveling like the past two weekends, broadcasting sectional basketball games for high school. But uh, um. I can't even remember the the last time I watched a game of theirs. They won or lost, but um, I'm definitely going to go back and watch that Golden Knights game, obviously, because, you know, with the Eichel and then the pieces, because, right, they were traded, yeah. Tuck and Krebs were tr- uh, part of the Eichel yeah. trade, right? So Yeah, but just kind of, you know, taking a deeper dive into the Sabres aspect thing, is like they're 4-2 and two in their last six. This mm-hmm. Ever since March 2nd, um, they've just been playing strong. And, you know, you can say that there was a spark in them after beating the Vegas Golden Knights with Jack Eichel coming back in his home return. Obviously, the captain of the Buffalo Sabres. Right. And, you know, Buffalo beating Vegas 3-1. to one. But it's just been, like, just a new resurgence of energy that we just haven't had in a couple years, matter of fact. And, again, just, you know, going back to, you know, Krebs stepping his game up, Tuck playing like the player we knew we were getting in that trade and playing like a complete captain. And then, again, having Rasmus Stalin emerge himself. You know, the emergence of Matisse Samuelson. Um, Henry Yoki Haru coming back off injury. Uh, you know, Casey Fitzgerald stepping his game up as well. Obviously, you still have Thompson and Jeff Skinner and Dylan Cousins playing at the way the lo- their levels they are. Uh, Casey Middlestat stepping his game up. Uh, Rasmus Asplund playing fourth line minutes. Vinny Henestrosa coming back. He's a player too. Vinny Henestrosa having a three-point night against the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday evening in the Heritage Classic. You know, two goals that you don't see scored often. Uh, you know, one on the goal line that went off the skate of the... Toronto defender and kind of just popped up in the air right over uh, Peter Mrazek, the Toronto Maple Leafs goalie, and then and then uh, the one on the goal line that he just kind of shot, and again, Peter Mrazek didn't have his body up against the goal post, and that one's just going to go in, you know, probably 50-50 with the way Peter Mrazek had himself lined up against the goal post on the goal line. And, you know, that that feed to Krebs, uh, you know, Vinny shows it coming off the bench patiently waiting for the puck, wins his 50-50 stick battle, and then just, you know, have some hesitation in his game and, and wait for the play to develop. You know, going down the half half uh, half side boards there on the left side of the ice and waiting for something to open up and develop and finding Peyton Krebs in the slot on a one tee that beat Mrazic's glove side on the left side of the, uh, of the goal is very telling to the player that Vinny Henestrosa has become. And I wouldn't be surprised if... He's a trade piece for the Buffalo Sabres coming up. Because, again, Vinny Henestrosa is a player you would like to keep on this team. But at the same time, it's coming playoff time. Teams need players, and you know teams will get desperate to try to acquire a player, especially at the caliber, at the, uh, the caliber season that Vinny Henestrosa has. He's played about 41 games, I would say, for the Sabres thus far. And he's on a 20-goal pace um, if he played a full 82. So, again, Vinny Henestrosa... Been a great player. Had a great game yesterday. Um, another player you got to give props to is Tage Thompson. He had a great game as well. You know, he'll always be a, a show-and-tell type of player. He'll always have his game at the next level. But, you know, just corralling that goal at the empty net at the end of the game to really seal things for the Sabres was, was awesome to see. Um, All right. We're we ready to go. I also I kind of wanted to do this. This was um, something that I was mentioning to Tanner before the game. Uh, <laughs> The broadcast, excuse me, <laughs> before the game. Before the, I mean, we can consider this a game. But oh, this yeah. is this was um, one. We have Katie Villarini in um, in studio. But this was one of my favorite moments from her brief career of me watching her play. And this is uh, also courtesy on the call, Tanner Saunders. Jones now Jones gets inside. Layup is no good. Long rebound, Rollick. Villarini uh, thought about it there, but. The second guesses it, and that will just bring it out here. Villarini now drives. Pull-up jumper from the elbow off the glass is good. Villarini. Count it, and one. Reaching into her deep bag of tricks is the captain, Katie Villarini, who can now hit 60 for the team if she can sink this one. Welcome into the show, when I tell you, second all-time in Buffalo State history in scoring, second all-time in assists, and fifth in all of Division Three NCAA in scoring, and SUNYAC Player of the Year, 
what do you think of when you say that? When I say that? Um, I think that, first of all, thank you guys for having me here. Um, yeah, really thanks cool. for joining thanks. us. Thanks. Pleasure's ours. Pleasure. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like I was patient all four years and, and putting in the work and getting in the gym and um, connecting with the trainers that I needed to connect with kind of paid off and it was just kind of like a reward it was like dang like finally like something's kind of clicking and um I just I think that I've worked for everything that I've earned and I'm I'm proud of myself and I'm really grateful for the people who helped me get here so what were your thoughts on this entire season as a whole this is the first time that the you know because division three athletes weren't allowed to play last year because of covid mm -hmm. What does this mean to finally just be able to have this this final year and this like really historic season for you? Yeah, I was really, really excited about this season um, because of COVID. I actually think COVID for me personally was a blessing. And um, obviously there's the negatives of COVID, but the positives were I had time to train and I had time to work out. And um, I don't know where I would be if COVID didn't happen because I, I wouldn't have met some people who helped me get here. And I'm really grateful for it. And um, just having that entire off season to train and to focus on my game and to add new things to my game really benefited me for this season, and I'm re I was really excited coming into it. All right, I guess I'll take over here. So first off, Katie, thank you for coming in. I'm sure even outside of basketball, you're a tremendously busy human being. Yeah. So thank you <laughs> for taking the time to come on today. It was an absolute uh, pleasure to broadcast a handful of your guys' games this year and watch you play. On one hand, I wish I could have seen more because fall 21 was my first semester here. But I'm certainly not complaining about the one season that I was able to bear witness to. But anyway, my first question. So in the Jerry Sullivan article, the one that he did about you for WIVB, mm -hmm. You said in high school you're not a big-time scorer. You're more the type to focus on the little things, rebounding, playing defense, stuff like that, which I find fascinating given how good of a scorer you developed into <laughs> at the collegiate level. And I was just curious, not to put you on blast or anything, but do you remember your single-game high for uh, points in high school? I think it was 30 or, like, mm. 28 or somewhere around there, and that was, like— I was like blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never, I'm never going to do that again. I've never scored this many points. And I guess I was just hot that day. But yeah, that I definitely wasn't um, a big presence in scoring in high school. And I, I did do the little things. I played defense. I got rebounds. And um, I was kind of like a quote pass first point guard in a mm -hmm. sense. So this year's definitely been a change. Now, what are your, <laughs> I always find this funny. When I read the Jerry Sullivan article, you were actually um, Coach MB, who was the assistant coach at the time, Mary Beth Nugent. Um, I actually showed her. We did the 10 questions that we do, and it's on Buffalo. It'll be on the um, Buffalo State Athletics webpage, uh, Instagram, uh, within the next, like, day or two. But, like, I asked you what, you, you know, I, I showed your coach about that and she found it funny that i called you co i called her coach nugent like is that just like like do people just all just call her coach mb or something like yeah, that she's always been coach mb to me she was my assistant coach my freshman year and it was just mb so yeah i kind of just stuck and, and went through nobody's really ever called her coach nugent oh oops. but you can it's, it's <laughs> you can call her whatever you like just I coach mean, in front of it <laughs> yeah that's true i mean what i will always find it hilarious that my when I found out about you, your your coach and B was actually trying to recruit someone from Sweet Home, and Sweet Home's my alma mater, yeah. and she reluctantly found you. Mm -hmm. And another funny thing, well, I mean, maybe funny for you, but not really for me. Then when uh, f like a week ago, the um, both Hamburg and Sweet Home played yep, in the in the sectional final here at Buffalo State, and let's just say uh, I want to talk, talk about it with but, the dub. <laughs> uh, not just <laughs> not just the dub, a big dub, but um, you know it, it's it was really like I, I really wish I, I could have watched you play, and and I, I will say this, like I, I remember when I first saw like your your uh, headshot for your senior year. What made you go from, you know, seeing from freshman to junior, you're yeah. just smiling, and then this <laughs> one serious. you look... This year was business. This year was very personal, so I guess that headshot kind of represented that. <laughs> it's just like you look, you look like you're about to murder someone. Yeah, I got that a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, Hi, my name is uh, Ivan Harrington. I got to commentate a couple of your guys' games at the end of the year. I did uh, the playoff in the, the last one, the last regular season game. 
But, you know, it was, a, it was a privilege to watch you. Obviously, I'm a freshman here, so I didn't get to catch any of your other seasons here. But, you know, it was a privilege to watch. Obviously, you're a great player. You're going to do a lot of great things Thank you. after the collegiate level. But, you know, kind of going back to the high school article written by Jerry Sullivan, you know, on your on yourself there, you know, noting that you do the little things. You're not an impactful scorer in high school the way you are now at the collegiate level. And you mentioned how COVID really shaped you in a better way. Mm-hmm. Like, what went into that? Because, obviously... This season alone, it says you averaged 22.4 points per game. Right. Like, and your career average was 11. Mm-hmm. That's a substantial jump. Right. What went into that? Like, can you just give us, like, kind of a day-by-day process if yeah. you have one? Yeah, I mean, I, I trained every day in the summer. And whether that was weight training and getting stronger or getting in the gym and getting shots up, um, I was in the gym every single day. And I knew that our leading scorer from last year, like, she carried a lot of weight. And I had to replace and, like, fill those shoes kind of. Um, so my training, I went into it. I was like, I need to score. I need to be aggressive. Like, okay, yeah, I'm going to play defense. I'm going to get stops. I'm going to get rebounds. It's like everybody can control those things. Um, but I, I need to be a presence in scoring, and I need to carry my team the way that they need me. And, um, yeah, the summer, past summer, was just just being aggressive and getting on the shooting gun, getting on the shooting machine, um, going against contact. I was double team, triple team this year. So we really focused on <laughs> – you know, my trainers would hit me with, like, pads and, and say, like, you got to get to the basket, you got to score. And so um, that was definitely a focus this summer. All right. So to give this next question some context, in preparation for this for this interview, I found your TikTok account, which <laughs> is that is that slightly odd, perhaps. But the way I see it is when you're doing this type of thing, interviewing people, especially with a high-profile subject like Katie Villarini, I mean, oh. <laughs> by any means, right? You got to do whatever you got to do to come up with content for interview questions. And I saw one in particular where you use this sound and anyone, any one that's listening out there that has TikTok, you probably heard it before, but it's the it's called the Midwest because every single thing in it is mid. My and you use that. One. Yep. <laughs> you've, you've used that sound in reference to being a sneakerhead. Yep. And if you're when you're talking to a basketball player, I mean you gotta talk about shoes, right? They're Absolutely. like peanut butter and jelly. They go hand in hand. So with you being a self proclaimed sneakerhead, what's the shoe collection looking like these days? And also what's your favorite shoe to hoop in? All right. I love sneakers. I'm not wearing my best ones right now. I wish I would have known this question was gonna come up. Um, <laughs> Don't I, worry, I, we're on the <laughs> we're on radio. Nobody's can see it yep. other than us. But um, I love Jordans. I used to play in Jordan Eleven Lows, my UNC ones. I'm a big North Carolina fan, so I have um, a couple of the colorways are the UNC colorways, so that Carolina blue. Um, I got a pair of ones. I got a pair of threes, fours, fives. Uh, two pairs of sixes. I got a pair of sevens. Um, I think I almost have everything in the Jordan collection. Some Air Maxes, you know, Nike. Not Adidas yet. I got like a pair of Yeezy slides, but that's the only Adidas that I have. Um, yeah, I just, I love, I love shoes. I think that, you know, just like supporting. I think basketball shoes and just like shoes in general are like come from like, you know, Michael Jordan and, and Steph Curry. They all make shoes. And I think just like giving back to them is kind of cool. And like being able to like wear their stuff is, is kind of cool. But my favorite, I think. My favorite pair of shoes that I own are my my UNC threes. Do you have Do you have any Kyrie's? Because I know that when when we were talking on the interview um, in the interview last week, we were asking like what NBA and WNBA players you idolize, mm-hmm. and you know you you mentioned some some stuff some like WNBA players, and don't don't hate me on this. I didn't. I don't really know okay. my WNBA, mm-hmm. but I definitely know. I definitely know my N- my NBA stuff, and you said you were like you seemed Kyrie. like you were really excited about Kyrie Irving. Yeah, like. I I played in Kyrie's my high sc- like all through high school. Um, oh. I had a pair of Lebrons for one year, but I played in Kyrie's. I just I don't like the Velcro on them. You know? Are you do you like Velcro. more of a like a heavy shoe, or are you more of like a lightweight? shoe? Lightweight. I play in lows. Everyone's like I play in highs because your ankles sprain all the time, but no, <laughs> I I'm playing in lows. I got a quick question as well. Like, I played a little bit of basketball throughout high school. Um, the only two shoes I will wear is Paul George's mm-hmm. and Kyrie's. PG, I got a pair of PG's P- in yeah, my bag. Yeah, <laughs> PG's are the ways to go for basketball. PG's and Kyrie's. Is there a shoe you just won't wear? Like, is there a shoe? Uh, you just I won't, won't wear, wear LeBron's. I think. Yeah, yeah I won't wear LeBron's. Um, I don't really. Steph Curry a lot. Like Under Armour, I haven't worn Under Armour ever, so I just I probably won't wear Under Armour shoes unless. You know, I'm sponsored one day. Fingers <laughs> crossed. But, yeah. No, it, it it's going to happen well, eventually. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like somebody told me once, they were like, you have to buy a pair of shoes that, like, you're, if you were an NBA player, you were a WNBA player, like, what's your body type? And it's like, I'm not 
LeBron James. Like, I'm just not. So I'm not going to play in the shoes. Yeah, like, I had a pair of Currys before. Like, I wore Currys. I mean, it was, like, ninth, 10th grade. Yeah. But still, like, I mean, they're not the worst type of shoe. But, like, for me, it's Currys. Like, I've never wore Jordans on the court, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to, you know, compare to that. It's Currys, Kyrie's, and Paul George's, yeah. PG-13s. Like, those are the shoes The PG's that... probably are my favorite, 100%. No, and I, st- I still have them to this day. Like, oh when I go to, like, L.A. or wherever just to, you know, play play um some pickup, like, PG's all the way. Like, they still fit. I they're agree. snug. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just comfortable shoes. And, you know, they protect the ankles, too. Yeah, I, they do. I agree, 100%. <laughs> I have I have a pair of Kobe's, but oh, I, I forgot about it. Oh my gosh, rest in peace, Kobe. But I I love my Kobe's too. I will still always remember when that when the news broke out. I thought that that was a joke because it just it just seemed like the perfect funny. storm. But you know, I, I I think that one thing I like to point out is you know you're you're definitely a smaller guard and they have you what listed at five five, five but you five. say you're. I mean, I'm like 5'3", five, 5'4", five, and it's an inch or two. The she, shoes give me an inch, so I'm going to put the 5'5 five, five on there. <laughs> what do you think your advantages are of being a smaller guard compared to, like, you know, especially we see in the in the NBA right now, we see a lot of taller, bigger guards. What do you think your advantage is really because you're definitely a smaller guard? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quick, and my change of speed is probably a lot better than most people in in the SUNYAC. So I think that helps me. If a guard wants to guard me, great. We're, we're a good matchup size. I'm quicker. And then if a big wants to guard me, then, you know, same thing. You can just kind of blow by them and with, use your speed. Yeah, quick question. Obviously, like, again, we talked about the whole COVID thing. Was there a move coming into this year? Like, you have a combo move to kind of go up against a guard versus a big. Like mm, That's how, a really good question. Like, the way you attack a guard versus a big. Like, what combo moves do you you know, yeah. In your game. yeah, I think for guards, you want to attack their top foot. So it's it's kind of like everybody's like, oh, you think too much, you think too much. Well, it's basketball. Yeah, you have to think. Like, So I'm looking at my defender's feet and, and making sure that I attack that top foot. Um, and once they change and once they shift their hips and, and turn, that's when you kind of get put your head down and go to the basket. Um, try to get them off your line of attack and, and get to the rim. Biggs, right. Biggs is just, you know, knowing when – you can go in and, and get hit and go up for contact and knowing when to stop and pull up and do like a little pull-up jumper um, or like a floater. And so just kind of analyzing and watching film really helped. But, yeah, you definitely got to switch up your moves depending on if you're going against a guard or a big. All right. Uh, going back on the topic of basketball attire, one thing that <laughs> sticks out about you on the court besides your play is the appearance, particularly the one-leg yep. sleeve. That's <laughs> seen what it I in every game. Too. Yep, I've seen what? it in every game of yours that we've called this past season. I, personally, I think it's hard. It looks super Thank dope. You. Thank but you. I've always wondered, like, when did you start rocking it? Was there any particular reason that you started rocking it? What is the origin story of the one-leg sleeve? Honestly, I think I was just, like, scrolling on Instagram one day, and I saw some North Carolina girls girl like female athletes like they had it on they had like a white one I was like oh my gosh that's so tough like I kind of want to do that um but yeah there there was no like one person that was like I want to be like this like you know what I mean like I want to mm-hmm. be like them and wear it but right. no I I definitely get compliments on that all the time they're like that looks so dope like your your court drip is is top 10 oh, so for sure what do you think about when especially in the, um, going back to the Jerry Sullivan article, that you were not even like as an all Western New York, and you were just an honorable mention. Does that ever drive uh, you? Like, do you ever think about like other things that just like get you pissed off, and you just want to just yeah use that? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, like I said, the season was personal. This my whole college career was personal. It's um, I don't know. Some people like they they want to blame things on politics, and they say, "Oh, politics. This is why you didn't make." this team and whatever and I think if you're good enough then politics don't matter and I that's just reality I just wasn't good enough and so I wanted to be good enough and I just had to work hard and and try to make like first that's that was the goal to make first team and and to be where I'm at right now and so it was definitely very personal and hearing that I wasn't on one in high school it kind of hurt a little bit but it's what I needed yeah I definitely got another question like obviously you got a pretty young team yeah. going into this season, but obviously since your collegiate career is done, what can you tell say about your teammates going forward? And I have full confidence that they're going to do great next season. They have so many threats. They have some new threats coming in. Coach MB is great at recruiting. and um, the, the, the freshmen, it, it was tough because they're so young, so the freshmen had to be thrown in 
to starting positions and to leadership positions this year. And I think that they kind of own that and they, they dominated their roles and they did what they had to do. And I think that's only going to make them stronger for next year. Yeah, def- definitely. There's uh, something else I wanted to implement. It's top three. It's this little thing we're going to start doing on the show here. Top three favorite candies. Just a quick explanation Ooh. why. Just All right. Kind of go over it. This you- is a great question. I love food. Who doesn't? <laughs> Mini Starbursts. I don't know why, but they just—they're addicting. Mini Starbursts, that's one. Second, Reese's cups or Reese's cups, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and third, candy. Welch's, the purple pack of Welch's fruit snacks. Is that candy? That's kind of candy. Yeah, not really. I mean, it's, it's like—I mean, it's a fruit snack, but I mean, yeah. I mean, would you do you consider Gushers a candy? Yeah. Yeah, then then it's a candy. Okay. Um, fruit snacks for sure. I, I want to know, like, what's, like, uh, obviously, you, you told me you listen to a lot of sad music. Like, is there a top top three songs you like to listen mm. to? Well, I listen to Forever Set in Stone by Rod Wave pregame every day. Well, every game. Um, I listen to Chosen One by Polo G. It kind of just, like, okay. gives me, like, chills. It's like he came from nothing. People didn't think he was going to go places, and he was like, screw you guys. He's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> so, I mean, it's. You know, and then, um, I think, I don't know. It's kind of just whatever's on my shuffle at that point. Hey, would you uh, mind sending me your, your playlist, Absolutely. whether it's pregame or whatever the heck? Because, I mean, I don't really listen to much, like, Rod Wave. That seems like that's your favorite artist. But yeah. I like, like, Juice World, Trippy Red, Polo G, mm. Pop Smoke, Playboy Cardi. But I'm, you know, a hip-hop guy. So send me your playlist. I, I will, will. give it a check. Uh, I definitely will. Uh, my <laughs> next question that I, I don't know why I have so many questions okay, focused on your appearance. But <laughs> you got a couple noticeable tattoos on your arms, at least. Do you have ideas for any other ones? Or are you content with the ink that you got for no, right now? No, I'm, I'm I'm definitely going to get some more. Me and my teammates, we're going to get some matching tattoos um, from the season. And then, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm starting a leg sleeve. I don't know how far I'm going to get up, but I'm, I'm starting on my right side. Oh, so. what, you got a theme? I don't. I, most of them have meaning. Some of them don't. I just, I'm an artist too. So I just think like art is beautiful anyway. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I just finished up my koi fish tattoo the other day. So that was a lot of fun <laughs> um, and painful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. What's the most painful place you've gotten tattooed? Um, hmm. I feel like with tattoos, like I mean, obviously they're painful. Yeah. I mean, at least at least you and I know because I don't think you guys have tattoos. No, I don't have a tattoo. <laughs> I don't have a tattoo. <laughs> okay, you so want the, one? Are you gonna get uh, one? No. Uh, unless like one of the hockey guys gets me into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the most painful, I I would say my ankle, the one on my on oh, my yeah. f- ankle, but. I don't know because I had one on my ribs and that was a long time ago. But that one I do remember that one hurting a lot. So it was a long time ago though. I I definitely think that definitely. I mean I only ha- I have stuff in places that's not terrible, but like collarbone and like he he kind of got me really close to my armpit. Yeah. And I'm kind of ticklish in the armpit, so every time <laughs> he put his hand there, I was like, ooh. Yep. <laughs> um. But like, I I, I will say. I, I got a couple art. I got a couple artists that I go to. I got my card. I got their cards because I just went to them and they're still in my jacket. If you want them, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know where I was going to go with this. Um, oh well, I mean we're in the selection. Sunday was yesterday. Mm-hmm. What, who is there any like? And this doesn't have to be just the March Madness tournament because there's obviously a lot of great moments. But do you specifically? And this could be men and women's. Do you specifically have a moment that you like that's like kind of just like you just always remember? If you think NCAA basketball, you think of this. Is there any playing, particular like me playing in my career? It could be Anything? playing or it could be just watching as a fan. Um I mean, yeah, there's definitely a few of them. This year, this season, like us playing against Fredonia away, we talked about that a little bit mm-hmm. um with Heaven. One of my teammates, she transferred from there. So that game was very personal, too. It was a lot of fun. And it was just like playing for somebody else, like, kind of felt good. Um, beating Cortland this year at home, that was... That, that highlight that, that highlight. I played at the at the start of... The, that I will say that when I... Because I, I was on the sidelines um, and during that game. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut oh, you off. Um, 
But I was on I was on the sidelines, and I just remember that play. And I remember it was late in the fourth quarter. You were up by six against Cortland, and Cortland was the number one team in the SUNYAC. And you you like you you drove up to to the corner and sh- to the elbow and mm-hmm. took a shot and um, you know hit an and one, and it was absolutely incredible to just be able to just see that happen. Yeah. And it was I was definitely like I was just like like. I know you're supposed as a reporter, as someone who's broadcasting the game, you want to make sure that you're, you want to make sure that you're doing a better, you want, you want, you don't want to be biased. But at that point yeah. I was like, kind of just like saying, probably saying There were a stuff. couple of moments that all, I don't know if all three of you have been talking at the games, but I, I was like playing them back and listening to them. I'm like, oh, they just got hype for us. Like a hundred percent. So that was definitely <laughs> awesome. I mean, we're, we're really as, I mean, we're broadcasting for, you, right. but your team, right. uh, and we want to sound like we're exciting because, like, if you're a if you're a play by play guy and you're like you're the voice, like we'll say voice, you're the voice of Buffalo State Bengals athletics or Buffalo State Bengals football or whatever. And there's a and like for example, you you hit a three pointer, mm-hmm. three pointer by Katie Billerini, yeah. good. That, that's boring. You want to <laughs> yeah, be like, like Mike Breen, like does. bang, right? Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, we're announcing for the home team and. You know, no matter what, like not saying that we have to be biased, but again, most people that are listening into that broadcast are going to be, you know, parents, grandparents, Absolutely. cousins, relatives, whatever. So they're going to want to hear the excitement for Buffalo State, not for a team like Cortland, because why would we do that exactly, to ourselves? Right. <laughs> right? And, you know, kind of going back to the March Madness thing, March Madness is coming to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. You heading out to any games? I am. I got tickets. I don't know which ones I'm going to. Uh, my family, we like to do a lot of things together, um, especially now if I do and when I do go play overseas, like I'm going to not see them as much as i'd like to so me and my family are going to go see a couple of the games there and i'm really excited for that all right i got uh, one last question here for you and i guess i saved the, ha- the hardest hitting question for oh last gosh, it's about to go. take a little bit of a somber <laughs> turn but one thing that we've had the displeasure of seeing in the news recently was the death of the stanford women's soccer goalie katie meyer first yes. off r.i.p to her it's always terrible to see a young talented person pass away at such a young age she's only 22 but mm-hmm. one of the things that's come up since then is you know the pressure that student athletes face with school and sports i mean her parents did um an interview on today and her mother said point blank like there's anxiety and the stress to be perfect to be the best to be number one and I'm, I'm not trying to speculate as to why she made the decision she made it's mm-hmm. just that that's one of the conversations that's being had in the wake of her death at the end of the day she's the only one that knows what was going through her head in her final moments and she took that to the grave sadly but my question to you Katie is someone that's more or less walked a mile in her shoes and been in that position how do you deal with what I'm sure at times is the immense pressure of being a student athlete and what do people on the outside and like not realize about student athletes and what it takes to be one that is a great question I'm actually going into the whole point of me getting my undergrad is in um, psychology and health and wellness and it's for mental health for athletes specifically Mm -hmm. in men but just the mental health overall in in athletes and there is a weight that we carry and and that's not just like on the court oh you have to perform well you have to do this right like you have to be perfect if if Katie has a bad game then then Buff State, like, it's going to be hard for them to pull off a win, and it's like, okay, wow, yeah, that pressure is a lot on me sometimes. I'm um, not saying that I don't welcome it, because I do, um, but that with the addition of school and the addition of having a social life and eating well and getting enough sleep and enjoying your college experience, like, there are a lot of things that student-athletes go through and not a lot of resources for us to go to to get help and to talk about things. And then you see all the time with men especially, but women too is, you know, in, in a – in a basketball game, like a press, like you attack weaknesses. You, if somebody can't go left, you hear that all the time. Oh, oh, force her left, right? Attack her weak hand, attack this. And so you're always going to be attacked. Your, your weaknesses are always going to be pointed out in sports. And when you show any type of weakness, it's an opportunity for the team to, to attack that weakness. And so if you say, I'm not well and I'm, I'm struggling through this in your life and, and show and, and are vulnerable and express the weaknesses that you have, it's sometimes for the outside people because there are so many eyes on you to be like oh she's weak she's going through this and um that that makes her less of an athlete less of a person that she is and definitely personally for me and my my siblings they're all athletes as well like we Mm -hmm. definitely have felt that pressure and have felt that um the the lack of vulnerability that we can have to the public and so I think it, it does need to be addressed more and it needs to be taken into account more and um I think we should give a lot of credit to to student athletes no matter what division that they're in. 
Certainly. Well, uh, I mean, that's all the questions I got, so I'll just uh, wrap I, it up for myself. Katie, thank it. you very much for... No, I'm not wrapping it up for oh. you guys. I was just saying, I just uh, wanted to say thank you again for coming on again. You're a tremendously busy person, so <laughs> thank you for coming on, and we certainly wish you uh, all the best of luck moving forward, whether you know you go into the WNBA overseas. We're trying to speak it into existence. I know, we're I love all, that. <laughs> yeah, we're all sold that it's going to happen, but uh, whatever... Uh, Whatever you end up doing in the future, best of luck to you. Hopefully, you'll cross paths down the road sometime. But if not, we'll certainly be uh, back here rooting for you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll be back here rooting for you. Don't forget about little old Buffalo once you're off doing big things. I promise you I will not forget. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. And I I just have one more question, um, and and then I'm sure we'll wrap it up. And then we'll get a break. Um, I just want to say that um, what was the – how was uh, Vermont for you? Because you were out there for yeah. uh, a workout. How was that for you this so past I, week? I wasn't out there for a workout. I was actually out there visiting my little sister. She lives in Vermont. Oops. The workout is... That's another That's another story. I don't know if I can talk about it on here. But I do have a workout set up um, with somebody that's pretty important, I think, in the summer. But Vermont was, was nice. And, and the mountains and I was snowboarding, which is something I couldn't, uh, couldn't do during season just because of injury and... Um, you know, if you fall, I almost fell off the side of the mountain cause I <laughs> haven't snowboarded in a while. So, um, but it was really fun. Yeah. I, I tried skiing once, almost probably snapped my ankle. Yeah. In half. It's, yeah. <laughs> Coach MB doesn't let me snowboard during season. So I, yeah. I had to take advantage. Well, yeah, there you go. Like snowboarding's obviously, you know, fun to do in Buffalo and yep. fun to do anywhere. And you mentioned you had siblings. I do. I'm one of five. I'm but the middle. You're the middle. I am. So, and you have a very successful like a successful family with athletes or academics yeah so are they all athletes um we all were athletes at one point um so my oldest sister she's 26 now she has two kids um she just had a baby uh, a couple months ago she used to play basketball she played basketball at um hartwick university it's a division three school uh she transferred and played for madai and then she also played for fredonia which is the team in the suniac so she played and then um, my other sister, Amy, she ran Division One track and field, and she is a, an amazing athlete. She's so great at what she does, and now she personal trains um, in Buffalo. And, again, she's just so good at it. Um, and then me, and then my baby sister, soccer, basketball. She used to play in high school, nothing in college. And then my little brother played basketball in high school. So, like, obviously you had a lot of siblings growing yeah. up, and, you know, everyone was, you know, pretty good at what they were doing athletically. Like what was like what was the bond like was there any competitiveness growing up? Hundred percent. We are the most competitive family that you probably will ever meet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I mean, I'm not trying to like put you on a pedestal oh, here, yeah. but like, were you the winner? Were, um, you, were you up? In I your don't t- think so. I don't. I think that we're all like you know the the nice thing to be is we're all good at what we do. But no, I, I learned from my sister, my oldest sister who played at Fredonia. So um, you know, I took things from her and then. Um, my sister who ran track, obviously she put me through some, some running workouts to get me in shape for the season. So we all kind of like build from each other. Um, and then we compete with each other, which is, which is great. And we're close. So it's not like an unhealthy thing. We're really close. We love each other. So yeah. Yeah, You also hate each other. A little bit. (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) Like I have two older brothers. It's like, it's like you love each other, but then you just like, but I want to win and I want to be the best. you You hate each other. So, all right. Yeah, I got one more question. Yeah. It's something that I, you know, I ask every athlete. Like, are you a wing person? Oh my gosh, I love chicken okay. wings. Okay, so we're gonna need a location. Okay. What type of wing? All right. Flat or drum, and the sauce. Okay. I like spicy. Question. So I like hot. Okay, I know hot isn't like spicy, spicy, but I like hot. I like garlic parmesan. I like barbecue. I love food. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> um, location Gabriel's Gate in Buffalo is really good. Um, what Franco's Pizza? Have you ever had Franco's? Yes. Franco's, Franco's Pizza. Their wings are so good. Um, yeah. But I'm a flat. I'm a flats person. Aww. I'm sorry. I know, and I twist it, take the bone out, like eat it off one bone, like. That's what a I true do too. Buffalonian. That's what I do too. Blue cheese also. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, blue, no ranch. That's weird. I'm sure you got a few players from the South on your team or yeah. just Southern states, like. I know for the hockey team, at least, covered them. Like, there's a bunch of people from just, the south, ranch. and it's just ranch. Like, like, what are you doing? It's like if you're not from <laughs> Buffalo and you're in the PA area and down, it's just ranch. It's I like, know. What are, you, what are you doing? You, you're blue cheese for pizza and wings, right? Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, some like, people do like the blue cheese with the wings. Me and my friends actually, some of the guys from the men's team, we're actually really close with them. Also, yeah. they're all over. Yesterday, we were eating pizza from Lenova, and I was like. 
did we get blue cheese? And they're like, oh, no, like, I think we have ranch in the fridge. And I was like, get out. Just get out. <laughs> Go. <laughs> yeah, there's, if there's one. <laughs> yeah, if there's one final thing Katie's going to say at her time in Buffalo, it's get out get if out. you're eating ranch with your wings and pizza. Like, can't do that. And again, just before we wrap everything up here, like, you know, again, I, I just kind of started doing women's basketball and men's basketball yeah. towards the back half of your guys' season. But, you know, it was great to watch, like, your phenomenal basketball player on Thank and you. off the court. Like, you got a great future in what you're going to do. Um, you know, even whether that's after basketball in the future, um, mm-hmm. you got everything going for you and, you know, best of luck. Thank Everyone you. here is going to wish you luck from Buffalo State and, you know, in a couple of years, come back on the Thanks. radio. I definitely <laughs> felt, I definitely have felt support from everybody in Buffalo the past couple of years and every like year that I've been at Buff State. So I'm, I'm definitely going to come back. I'm not going to go Hollywood and, <laughs> you know. Forget Evan about Deepest everybody. Wally's gonna go Hollywood on us. <laughs> I know ESPN, right? He's going yeah, to- Depot. No. Yeah. yeah, Depot. Mondays. Maybe. <laughs> Depot. But no, I do. I do. I have a lot of love for Buffalo, and I won't ever forget where so, I came from. Thank you so much for coming on, and I re- we like I, I said if we could get anybody on, it was gonna be Katie Villarini, thank and so. I really appreciate we really appreciate you all that all that you've done for Buffalo State and all you're going to do in the future, and we're really excited to hear about what you have in the future. I'm also working on a highlight tape for you, hey. so keep an eye out for that, and uh, um, I hope I, I pulled some good stuff. Nice. I looked, uh, it took me forever to look for good <laughs> stuff. Well, not not in a bad way, but just like trying to just download stuff is right, what I'm trying right. to get at. But we, I, re, we really, I mean, I'm speaking for all of us. We really right. appreciate you coming on. It has been an absolute blast. Uh, having you on the show thank and you. we can't and we can't thank and you thank, enough. thank you guys for broadcasting our games too i know that's probably not easy i know it's your guys's thing but i would probably not know what to say at all if i was on a game <laughs> so hey, well, you I, make we it really, easy for us <laughs> thank you thank you guys so much all right thank you and that has been katie villarini here in studio and uh we'll take a quick break and We'll be back here on 91.3 FM WBNY, which is Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee.